Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. It's good to see all of you this service. My name is Raul Figueroa. I'm one of the pastors here. If you've got a Bible, if you would open up to, I got a lot of verses for you this morning. If you open up Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, if you've got an electronic device, and I want to share with you with where we're going this morning. Pastor Doug kicked off um, a series several weeks ago called Foundation, and we've been moving through a series understanding that we want you to know the importance um, that you understand what you believe, or that at least you, you begin to um, get pushed into the narrative that I, I must dive into something. And so we want you to know that the scripture's full of what we would call thematic elements and theological terms of who God is and why. And so this morning I have the assignment of the Trinity. And I can tell you that this topic is probably one that we can lean into for a, a whole year and just exploring attributes and ways. But this morning I want to give you a 30,000 foot view overview of what we see about who our God is. I, I was thinking about this idea about the Trinity, and I was thinking about the importance of us getting a hold of concepts and constructs of who our God is and how that would influence us in moving us toward um, understanding and seeing a new facet of God. And I don't know about you, but, but my hope is this morning that you would come away seeing God bigger, greater, more, more uh, holy than, than you sit here today, that, that, that something in your heart and mind would, would, would just grow to want to know him more in a different way. And so, so if you could just follow along with me this morning as I carry out um, this. If everyone say Trinity. 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 Our God is a Trinity God. Our God is a Trinity God. We've been working through Grace Harvest Church and, and what we believe. And so this is number one about what we believe. We've kind of been working through, not in order, but in, but in topic. And so our God is a Trinity God. We believe that God is a triune being. So I'm going to read our statement and then jump from there, that we believe in one God, coexistent, co-eternal, and co-equal, and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit distinguishable, but indivisible. Our God is a Trinity God. I'm so fascinated about this idea, this topic, and what I just read to you is nothing new. This, this thread of belief that I've read to you has been around for thousands of years. So Jewish, in the Jewish parts of the scripture, as we read through, and I'm going to read some of them to you, they understood what we're talking about today. And in, in the New Testament, New Testament church, this was a, a topic and an understanding they were being taught and that we are to get a hold of today, important. So the concept of a triune God or Trinity is one that's basic and foundational. It's considered a, a bedrock of the Christian faith that we would understand that our God is a Trinity God. Everybody say Trinity. All right. So Trinity is something that distinguishes our God, and it's central to our beliefs Nowhere in the Bible is the word Trinity found. So some of you are trying to look it up right now, trying to be good scholarly. Nowhere in the Bible is the word Trinity. It's a word that we use to describe the attributes that we see 
in scripture. So, so scholars through the ages have read portions of scripture and have, have boiled it down or, or, or taken the descriptors and applied the term to this. And so um, in the New Testament, there's a comparable term that's used in, in the Greek. It's called theos. Um, it's a word that describes the Godhead. And I'm, I'm really going to try and, and walk us through this narrative as, um, as, understandable as I can, but, but I think there are some topics as we talk through scripture that require us to lean in a little bit, amen? Like lean in and try and say, we see what scripture is saying. And so, so we see in Colossians 2.9, and I'm going to walk you through some scriptures so that hopefully you can begin to see it's an on-ramp to the idea that our God is great and is in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Colossians 2.9, it says, For in him Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The understanding that if you've seen Christ, you've seen God, the attributes, nature, and character presented in human form to us. So the word Trinity, it's derived from a Latin word, Trinitas, which means the number three. It's come to stand for three in the unity of one or triunity. The word is used to express the unity of God existing in three distinct persons, also known as the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In his book, Systematic Theology, Wayne Grudem defined the Trinity. God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us to a point so that we can see at some point we begin to grasp this idea of, of what it is that Trinity means and how it applies to our current condition and state now. The doctrine of the Trinity is where we worship one God manifested in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're each equally God in their being, power, and holiness, and God is one in essence and three people. Now, now here's the thing. To be clear, the Trinity is not three gods in one, but one God manifested in three people. Everybody say Trinity. Trinity. What's more important to understand is that we're not saying that God is three persons and only one person at the same time. Rather, the Trinity says that there are three persons in one nature, which is God. And while this may go beyond our reason, it doesn't go beyond reason. And this is really important that we, that we get this, this idea that, that they're in unity. And so the Bible makes it clear there's only one God and we see the oneness of God in his own statement. So we'll, we'll talk through some of the scripture. Isaiah 43.10, the prophet Isaiah writes that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Isaiah 45.21, who's told it from that time, have not I the Lord, and there is no other God beside me, a just God and a savior, and there is none beside me. Even God takes the time to reveal to his people his nature and character. Now, now some of you are looking at me with like, what? But, but, but I'm going to tell you, when, when we begin to take the nature of the Trinity and, and begin to apply it to our lives as though God, the essence, you are holy. 
Something begins to change about the, uh, how we begin to work out this idea of what it means to be a Christian and then to walk it out. We understand that we are, that we are saved, we are watched over, and that we are backed by this one God who loves us and cares for us and wants to journey with us. And so we see that, the very, that this idea of Trinity is at the very heart of the Jewish faith. In Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's a statement that they would make almost every time in greeting over the assembly and the gatherings in their homes, this reminder over and over and over, the Lord our God is one. I want to break this down a little bit because we see this, um, this idea that first, this idea of the Hebrew word used for one. It's the Hebrew word called ekad. And now there are, there are two words in the language for the word one. There's ekad and yahid, and just follow me a minute. So um, yahid means absolute oneness or singleness, leaving no room f- for any, meaning other than the one and one alone. But ekad brings with it the idea that many make up one or a composite unity. And this is the word that's used in places, uh, several instances that we see in the Bible. In fact, the first is God's plan for marriage where the husband and wife will be ekad flesh, one flesh, Genesis 2.24, two distinct individuals comprising in unity of one in marriage. The two shall become one. God, unity, walking together, covenant, promise. This is a word that we see used towards the idea of Trinity. We see the idea in Numbers chapter 13, verse 20, 23. There's also a time when the spies came out of the land of Canaan and with one Echad cluster of grapes or many grapes that make up one cluster. It was, it was, a, it was a descriptor word, how they were describing. And, and, and when you think about its essence, one grape on its own is not a cluster. Several grapes on their own is a cluster. And if you begin to remove them, they're no longer a cluster or in unity or together. Part picture idea, but we're talking our way through what it means for our God to be in relationship in Trinity. We see that, that we see this idea of Trinity um, when, when the Lord recounts creation and he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Who is God speaking to? Well, he's not speaking to the angels. He talks about in, in, in the term that he's using, he's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we see that played out as one who moves through creation. And we later see that it's Jesus who is the creator and the one who in and through all things were created. And the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and over created things. And so as we work through this idea that God is in relationship, that you can't separate them or take them apart, that they work together in mission and in statement, this is our God. So so if you hear the word trinity you can next follow up the word unity everybody say unity unity trinity is unity and our god father son and holy spirit is in unity god's in unity in first john 5 7 it says for there are three that bear witness in heaven the father the word and the holy spirit and these three are one 
The Godhead being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also seen in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This idea of God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is not a New Testament concept only. It's also seen through what the prophets have written. In Isaiah 48, 12, and 13. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first, I'm also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. And when I call to them, they stand up together. In Genesis 1.1, we clearly see that this is the Lord God speaking by his reference of the creation account where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Trinity God created. God decided Jesus created the Holy Spirit, imbued it with his power, working together. Further, we see that the Lord God wants to make sure we know that this isn't the prophet Isaiah alone, but he makes it his own. I, even I, have spoken. The spirit, Isaiah 48, 16, is come near to me. Hear this. I've not spoken in secret from the beginning and from the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. That was a prophetic word about Jesus speaking about the creation of God and what he was going to do on this earth. So we talk about the parts, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I wanna camp on two this morning And next week, we'll talk about the third. But in the Hebrew language, the last sentence literally says that in the prophet Isaiah said, the Lord God has sent me and his spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we talk about the concept of God. We got to talk about Father God for a minute because it's indisputed that if we ever talk about God, everyone understands that Father God is a nature in what we see as a description to God and that Jesus even prayed in Matthew 6, 9, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed in the Greek language means to make holy. And only God is holy, and not only is holy, is his name, but that is also his dwelling place. If you were to go read the scripture and revelations and and all the, the, the winged beasts, and you see they're standing before the throne. And when they're standing before him, what they can say about him They go to say something and it says, they say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. We see that this part in scripture, that he is holy. Isaiah 57, 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. See, I think there's something about this idea when we begin to capture elements that begin to describe who God is. The purpose is is to esteem our view of him. God, you're holy. You you live in the holy place. Like something inside of us begins to churn about holy. Is your name holy? Holy is Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with your glory. Holy is Lord. Like something begins to to catch this idea that God, you are holy. And we begin to catch that and and it begins to steer our lives. You're holy. And that's your name. Holy God. 
Trinity, unity, God the Father together. I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit because when it comes to declaring the Holy Spirit as fully God, there's a, there's a part that we, don't, that we don't talk about very often and that's in Acts chapter five, verse three and four. And this is, this is in the early church as it was established, the, the, the apostle Peter was, was, was leading the church and, and there were two people named Ananias and Sapphira and they had lied about a piece of property that they had sold and, the, and what they had given. And so, so Peter responds to them and says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. He's attributing the fact that the Holy Spirit is in Trinity, like the Holy Spirit is God. Think, think about this. Whoa. See, in the charismatic church, oftentimes we can not take as important the Holy Spirit's role in conviction in our lives or leading in our lives, I think, as we should. Like the Holy Spirit is led by the Father. They're in unity. That the mission of Jesus to redeem people is they're, they're working the same thing. And so, so the Holy Spirit, when we, when we say that we're standing before God in presence and the Holy Spirit is present, that we acknowledge that, oh, all right, Lord, what are you doing today? Where are you leading us? What is, what is happening? What is your counsel? I need your comfort. You're speaking as part as one who is a member of the Godhead, Trinity, unity, Echad. Together, we believe that these three are in relationship in an intimate way. You know, we use the word intimacy. Uh, means deep connection, transparent moment. Um, oftentimes we use the word to mean closeness in, closeness in relationship. We use it in, in context in, in, a, in a sexual way of just being intimate together, simply meaning that we're bare and open. And when we think about the Trinity, we need to think about the Godhead as being in relationship and openness and transparent in a way that, that accepts one another and that works together. God's agenda, Jesus on mission, the Holy Spirit in counsel, right here. And in many different ways, descriptions that we see through Scripture. We know that in the, what the Holy Spirit brings an awareness about a few things to us about God, that God is omnipresent? Why is it important that we understand the Trinity and that they work together and this is the God that we serve is we understand that he is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere present. Psalms 139.7, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Just think about this. Think about if we regularly remembered that God is everywhere. How would that affect us? How would that affect our behavior? How would it affect what we leaned into in our lives? How would that affect the nature about what we do when nobody is looking? Think about this as Christians, as people who understand that God is Trinity and that God is everywhere. He's present everywhere. This isn't just about keeping from bad behavior. This is about just a reminder that in our suffering, God, you're present. You're present. 
that in the day-to-day and in the journey, God, you are present. Or, or what, about, what about that he's all-powerful, he's omnipotent? That he's all-powerful. This understanding that we serve a God that can do anything at any time at his choosing. That we can believe to ask that God, in our moment, in our time, would you do this thing? It's the cry and the prayer of believers through the generations that we have faith because we've read and we've heard about the things that God has done and that we petition God, God, you are all powerful. Would you do this thing today like you did in days of old? Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide that healings would happen, that revival would be our portion, that we would have an awareness of who you are in greater way that would bring repentance, amen? That God, you are all-powerful and that God, you are all-knowing, that you reveal and know all things. Well, if God's all-knowing and he's everywhere and he's all-powerful, we should lean into that with greater measure. Lord, you know my life. You know, you know who I am. You know how I'm created. You know my current situation. Would you answer the issues of life, Lord God? You know what's best. Close the doors that need closed. Open the doors that need opened. Give me wisdom in decision making, Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide. You see, when we take into account the idea of the Trinity, I'm just scratching the surface on the nature of the Godhead. This idea that we believe Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit forever being all in and through creation and present in our lives and around, that God is Redeemer God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe would be saved and not perish, would have everlasting life. This picture that God is moving in and through. And so we see God, for God so loved his creation that he sent his son to die for humanity. And then later we read when Jesus ascended that he sent his Holy Spirit to be present with us, to be our ever-present comforter and the one who would lead us and guide us in all truth. Trinity, unity for us. Would you stand with me? Next week, we're gonna talk about Jesus. And I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to lean into the idea, Lord, help me. Help me to better know what it is that we believe. What does scripture say about this and who you are? Let you grow bigger in my heart and mind. I mean, ultimately, that's what we need. That Jesus would be made known through me. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard a talk about who God is and about how much he loves his creation, which is ultimately you and me. God loves you. He's on the move for you. He wants to see people, their lives radically altered by his love, set on mission to do the thing that he's created them to do, which is to know him more, 
and to let his love move through us to others.